Hello from the sunny beaches of St. Kitts and Nevis. Welcome to Dextrocardia, your one-stop shop podcast for everything related to life as a Caribbean medical student. I'm your host, Nihal Satyadev, a second-year medical student at the University of Medicine and Health Sciences. Disclaimer, the opinions expressed by guests of this podcast do not reflect the opinions or views of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's dive in. So I'm super excited for this episode because we have not only someone who's going to tell us insane amount of information about what to expect from the transition from basic sciences to the clinical world, but also we have our new co-host for Dextrocardia, Kirthi. Kirthi, I'm so excited you're joining us both for this episode to share your insights, but also for the rest of the episodes we'll be doing. I'm very excited to meet all the guests and discuss things alongside you. So as always, tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) Well, first off, I'm very excited to be working with you on this. I think you've created something super cool and excited to see what we do with this. Um, Tell me, tell you a little bit about myself. Well, where do I start? Um, I grew up in Canada and and I went to University of Guelph. Um, I worked for three years after I finished school. Um, med school was definitely not on my horizon. I kind of wanted to go more into the hotel industry, event planning, that sort of thing. I decided to take, I worked at a lab, took six weeks off because I was in between contracts and me and my friend traveled across Canada. We did every province, took us six weeks to go back and forth. It was amazing, like one of the best trips I've ever been on. And after that, I just couldn't go back to work. I was like, nope. So it was, at this point, it was probably September. And med schools in Canada, our application process is due in September. And I was nowhere close to even being ready to look into that process. So I looked into Caribbean schools and UMHS caught my eye. And that is how that began. Awesome. So we already have an idea for our next podcast, which will be all about how to travel across Canada. <laughs> so very excited to launch that next project with you. Um, but until then, uh, for everyone who's listening, Kirthi's a little bit further along in her. So the main semester is really interesting because it's comprised of two parts. You have ICM2 and you have Kaplan, and they're both about two months. So it's a little bit deeper from ICM-1. You take all the skills you learn in ICM-1 and you just keep building on it. A nice analogy that Dr. T always says is in ICM-1, they give you a suitcase full of full of tools. And then when you get to ICM-2, you kind of declutter your suitcase and take fine, fine-tune your skills. So with ICM-2, there's different components, as you said. There's lecture-based component, which is where it's more of a system-based approach to learning medicine. So where on the island we did subject-based, ICM-2 kind of will will focus on cardio. We'll do all parts of cardio. So we'll do the physio, we'll do the path, we'll do the farm, and you'll do that with each system-based. So that's kind of nice as a different way to look at the information we've already learned on the island and pr- taking that information before we start going in deep for steps. So that's kind of a cool approach as well. Aside from that, we have another component called IC, sorry, called small group. So what small groups is, is the class is divided into probably like seven or eight or eight students, depending how big the semester is, and you are paired with a doctor. So this physician, either a retired physician or a current practicing physician in the state of Maine. So for example, I was paired with Dr. Goodwin. During that time, we basically fine-tune our clinical skills. So it kind of matches up with 
the lecture material we learned. So if we learn Rust that day, then we will meet up with our small groups. In that small groups, we will fine tune our clinical skills related to Rust. So it kind of coordinated that way, and which was really nice. Um, aside from that, another component is called what was previously known as virtual clinic, and this semester it's called standard patient encounters. Basically, you will have a standardized patient who's hired. They will act. As, they'll have a certain ailment. They'll act it out. We do everything from the history taking aspect to it, to the to the diagnostic skills. So we'll actually perform a physical exam on them. After that, we sit them down. We tell them the diagnosis. We'll tell them the diagnosis diagnostics we want to order. We'll tell them the treatment that we'd give them. We will do patient education, all, everything up and up and including a follow-up. We'll mention to them when we'd like them to follow up. So it's really cool. You'll have 25 minutes to 30 minutes to do that whole standard patient encounter just to help us build confidence and fine-tune that skill for when we are meeting with patients during clinical, during our clinicals. Aside from that, another aspect is clinical skills lab, where we learn different skills such as intubation, how to place an IV. Uh, we have great instructors, Vicky and Gary, and a few more who really take the time. It's small groups, once again, about eight to nine students with the instructor. And so it's really one-on-one -on -one learning on how to perform these skills, which is great. Yeah, and aside from that, there's a few other supplementary lectures, such as palliative medicine. Um, we have OBGYN, and just to help add to our repertoire of information that we already have. Wow, so it sounds like there's so much that goes into that singular semester. Can you dive a little bit more into the small groups? So how much time across the course of the semester are you spending in those small group sessions and what is the real learning objective through doing those small groups as compared to ICM2? First off, you're right, it's a lot for one semester. In EBS5, for example, we have three courses, it's super busy. This is one course and feels just as busy. So definitely going into the main semester, get ready for that push, it is very busy. But small groups, so small groups has changed over time from my semester to this semester. Now with COVID, it's a little different. With us, we had it once a week for the first two months, and it was about four hours. We're with our physician um, or the leader of our small group, you could say, and we practice our clinical skills. So um, for example, once again, say if it was rest week, we will, after the didactic lecture, we we go into our small groups. We're with the uh, we're with this physician, and they watch us, watch our techniques, watch us perform the skills on a patient. We'll act out different scenarios, um, and she'll ask us like what diagnostics you'd want to order, what treatments. It's really integrative way to put everything together that we've learned on the island. This gives us a chance to put everything together. If you have a patient who's actually sick, what diagnostics do we need to order? Why? What are we thinking? What are our differentials that we're thinking about? Just to match the symptoms with differentials and get used to practicing that. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like probably the most important clinical skills to be developing and probably the right time around which you should be having the best clinical skills so that you're going off into rotations well-equipped to meet the demands of <clears throat> any said rotation but at the same time it's kind of interesting because this is also during the months leading up to you taking your step so 
how does one balance doing well with your clinical training, but at the same time preparing optimally to do well on the steps? Good question. So I know a lot of students, including in my semester, and I personally felt at first that this would be a great course to take after step, but also in a sense, it really does prepare you for step as well, because once again, on the island, all our questions are more subject related versus the step. When I took the step, the question's more integrative. You have to think about differentials. You have to look at the symptoms that you see and do you have to think about differentials. That's just how we're tested. So I think, I think it's a great way for us to take everything we've learned and kind of look at it in a broader scope. And I think it does, it helped, it helped me personally answer questions on the step. I was able to integrate the information better. And one of the unique things that UMHS has for step prep is the building in of Kaplan's review course, perhaps a review course that's more tailored to UMHS particularly. So how were you able to take advantage of the Kaplan course? And what is it that we should be doing to prepare ourselves from what I hear is quite a fast-paced review. Definitely taking care of your mental health and making sure you're eating proper and sleeping proper is key. Kaplan is intense. It's eight hours a day. It's long days, sometimes six days a week. So really just going in with the right, with a positive attitude. You might hear other students saying, oh, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm just going to keep it on my iPhone and like study myself. Honestly, I learned a lot from this Kaplan prep course just because it's been so long. Like I took med one and then I took EBS two, three, four, and five and immunology. I took that in my second semester. I don't remember anything. Like I don't remember it really coming into the main semester. It's been so long. So it was nice to, to get a refresher in a sense, like a mandatory refresher of all the subjects that I've kind of like, you know, pushed aside because it's been so long. So you kind of force yourself to go through all the material again right before your step studying and and the Kaplan score in itself kind of gives you like a gauge on like how much more you need to study what resources you like do you like do you want another prep course do you want to watch more videos do you just want to read first aid at this point it kind of gives you a gauge on how you want to tailor your next couple months to study for step and the interesting thing about the main semester is that after you finish that semester, you kind of can take any number of weeks to take your step. There's not any stringent requirement. So how did you go about deciding how long you wanted your quote unquote pure dedicated study time to be? I think there's a lot of factors that actually go into play with that. So typically some people take as soon as six weeks because they've already been studying seriously during Kaplan and they're ready. Some people can take up to eight months to a year. It really depends on your personal like feelings on how you feel prepared. Also availability right now with COVID, it's a lot more difficult to find a time and a date to book. But for me, what I went off was I went off my NBME scores. Once I felt confident and prepared with my with my NBME scores, I was like, all right. Typically, they say it's very similar to those scores. And honestly, UWorld, once I finished the question bank twice, I was like, there's not too much more I was willing to put in. Honestly, studying first step is 
it's, it's draining. It's a lot of work. So really how you personally feel, how much more you think you can go. There's a lot of factors that go into play. So how many questions per day would you say you were doing during Maine? And then did that kind of stay flat through your dedicated? Or did you end up doing more questions during your dedicated? How did that end up working out? So I think a lot of people took the main semester differently, which is kind of a nice thing, too, because there is freedom. There are a few days off here and there where you can do you can study the way you'd like to study. To be honest, I didn't study for step during until Kaplan started. I took the first two months to focus on ICM and learn as much as I could. And I have no regrets. Like I felt really comfortable with my standard patient encounters. And like, to me, that was just what I, that's what I, where I wanted to put my time into. I know some other students who were doing more Kaplan questions during ICM too. So it's all based on what you feel like you want, how you want to invest your time. During the Kaplan study days, though, I would be waking, I would wake up ahead of time and I would already have a block of questions done. Then I'd have my eight hours of Kaplan. I would eat dinner after that and then do another block and then free studying after that. But usually two blocks of questions a day is what I aim for during Kaplan because it is long days. Um, And aside from that, when I was studying for step, usually two to three blocks. Gotcha. And each block being 40 questions? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, so that is a lot going on in a very short period of time. I think one other thing that might be of interest to people to understand is some of the prerequisites which you have to take care of uh, before going to your main semester, and then also prerequisites that you need to take care of before taking your step. With the main semester, from what I believe, I think it's the same. Um, prereqs, once you're down on the island, you have several immunizations that you have to make sure are up to date and they will email you that information. It's usually a form that you just need filled out, criminal record check, just those typical things. Mainly the criminal record check is for your preceptors. So I forgot to mention another component of the ICM2 is you do have a preceptorship. So there's the UMHS main campus is linked with a couple different hospitals in Maine and so when I was there it was four days of preceptor that we'd have and I know right now it's two days just because of the COVID. Um, We're lucky that hospitals are still willing to take us in which is really nice but so even two days is valuable versus none but it's a great experience. I was personally paired with a hemonc doctor and I love that experience. It's a field that I never thought I would have liked or been interested in and without this experience I never would have known that it is something I'm interested in. It was cool. And because of your small groups and your standard patient encounters, you get more comfortable talking to patients. Our preceptors see that and they, they're they pretty willing to let us do a lot of interaction with the patient. Like my preceptor would just let me go into the room before he got there and do a little history. Sometimes I just tell them their results that they allow you to do, which is really cool. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a very valuable thing to get to be in the real world, real physician hospital setting uh, that early, I think is a pretty special opportunity. Um, So just wanted to see if you could continue on the topic of requirements as well. Um, So I know you mentioned that vaccines are something you need. Um, Are there any other things that you need to get done before starting your main semester? 
not that I believe so, just criminal record check in vaccines from my knowledge. And then there's a registration, um, there's a registration day prior to the start of Maine. Okay, that makes sense. It's not too complicated, pretty straightforward for anyone who's ever done any sort of volunteering in hospitals. I'm sure it's mm -hmm. the same thing. And what about for taking your actual step? Could you walk through the process of what sort of forms, paperwork you need to actually select a date? Booking step is a very long process, so be prepared for that. It takes easily a month minimum for the process before you can even book a date. Sometimes it can take up to six weeks. So first, as soon as you're done your Kaplan exit, you have to pass your Kaplan exit. The school will provide you with a link pass. They'll give you credentials. It takes about two weeks. You have to go through. Okay, so for the process for applying for STEP, it's quite tedious. It's long, can take about four weeks to six weeks to uh, complete. Um, first, you have to pass your exit exam, your Kaplan exit. Once that's done, you'll get instructions from the UMHS staff telling you what exactly you have to do. You'll have to go onto the ECFM website. You'll have to fill out some forms there. And then you have to set up a, notar a notary appointment and you have to get, a, it's online. You have to get this form notarized online. And then after that, it takes about two weeks before the next step. It's another form and then it's another two weeks and then you have, you'll be approved. So the whole month, it'll take about a month just to get approval to apply to write your step after that month it takes another two weeks to get your like a week to two to get your scheduling permit so it can take up to four weeks to six weeks depending how quickly everything works but it's just it's three steps but there's time in between that makes it long so given all of those different things you explained maybe it'll be helpful to hear a sort of timeline from when we start in Maine to when we can start clinical rotations. So let me just tee you off by saying, let's say, for example, I'm starting Maine in January. What is the next time point after that? For example, when does ICM-2 finish? When does Kaplan finish? When can you take your Kaplan exit exam? Um, and so on until you actually start in the best case scenario with six weeks dedicated to start your clinical rotations? Say so you start the main semester in January. You'll be done with ICM-2 by end of February. March, you'll start Kaplan six weeks, so you'll be done by mid-April. You'll have an additional week or two, depending on your semester, um, on when to write the exit. From the exit, it, you should take probably no more than a week off just to relax and rest your mind just because the studying for the exit is a hurdle in itself. After that, during your dedicated studying time, you should already start your application process for applying for STEP because that can take, as I said, a month. So say earliest you, if you want to write in six weeks, earliest that would be is if you start May, so mid-June, end of June. That's the earliest. From there, it takes about two weeks to a month, they say, to get your results. So say you get your results beginning of July, then you have to, then you email the 
clinicals coordinator from there it will take a few days for them to give you your package. Really depends how quickly you finish all your prerequisites for clinicals. It's like mainly like what you have to do more titers, more criminal record check, more some more other information like they require a CV, for example. After that, after you submit all that documents, that's really on you, however long you choose to take. It took me a week to get all that my information together. From there, within three days, I got my clinical rotation. Gotcha. Yeah. So I think there's definitely some people who have the mindset of, okay, like main semester is just like every other semester. You do four months, take your step, you're done by May, then you can start your clinical rotations in June. Um, so that's clearly not the case. And for all the reasons that you explained. So I think it's really, really helpful to have that timeline. Uh, do you have any final tips on things that you wish you'd done differently during your main semester uh, that looking back could have made an impact on either your step score or your clinical skills? Um, maybe doing some Kaplan questions or if I were to do it again, maybe that's what I would have done. I would have added some Kaplan questions to my ICM2 time. Cool. Well, thank you so much for stopping by on this episode, and we're looking forward to having you stop by on every episode from here on out. If you have any other questions or suggestions for us here at Dextracardia, please send it to dextracardia.podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at DextracardiaPT, and we would love if you could review and rate us on Apple Podcasts as that helps with our visibility. Thank you so much, Kirthi.